Our reading this evening is from 2 Samuel, chapter 9. It's entitled David and Mephibosheth. David asked, Is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They summoned him to appear before David. And the king said to him, Are you Ziba? At your service, he replied. The king asked, Is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Ziba answered the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He's lame in both feet. Where is he? the king asked. Ziba answered, He is at the house of Machir, son of Amiel, in Lodabar. So King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Machir, son of Amiel. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honour. David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, What is your servant, that you should notice a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's steward, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Now Ziba had fifteen sons and twenty servants. Then Ziba said to the king, Your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah, and all the members of Ziba's household were servants of Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, because he always ate at the king's table. He was lame in both feet. Let's pray. Lord, may the words of my lips, may the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, be used by your Holy Spirit, and glorify our Lord Jesus. Amen. I want to show you a picture to start with. This is Margaret, who is Jacqueline's sister. Margaret was born in 1930 with Down syndrome. She had good, kind and loving parents, but at that time there were no opportunities for education and for development of children of that nature. But things have changed, and now one of the encouraging things about developments in uh, medical care has been how much people who are otherwise handicapped 
or lacking in some of the faculties that we have, how there is a better attitude towards them. Another picture to show you is someone you've seen on the television. Her name is Nikki Fox. She is the BBC's disabled correspondent. And as you can see, she's in a wheelchair. Despite her being in a wheelchair, she's been to university, she's had training, she's had opportunities which would not have been available to people with such hardships and difficulties previously. Now, this evening we're going to look at this story in 2 Samuel 9. It's a story about a man called Mephibosheth. If you're interested in how to pronounce long Hebrew names, I'll talk to you about that afterwards. One of the problems is that if you look up this man in 1 Chronicles, you'll find he's called something else. But don't bother about that tonight. We're going to talk about him as Mephibosheth. That at one level, he is an illustration of what we've just been talking about, of someone who has power, King David, is able to show kindness to someone who lacks the facilities and abilities that other people have. And that's an example to us of how we should be thinking about people who don't have all that we might have. At another level, however, if you look at verse 3, you'll see that the Bible, more than one occasion, calls this kind of kindness God's kindness. Is there no one still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Kindness is one aspect of God's character, of the way in which his love and grace and mercy are shown towards people in need. In fact, the word at the centre of our text, kindness, is quite a short Hebrew word, but it is translated many different ways in the Old Testament because of the richness of this idea of how God is kind to people who don't deserve it. It's also a reminder that it's something which God's people should reflect in their behavior in a world where there's so much unkindness, when constantly we're hearing about greed and selfishness, violence, that these things pro 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 propose the background against which kindness to other people stands out in light. So I want to look at three features of God's kindness from this story of Mephibosheth this evening. And the first one is that it's shown to us for the sake of someone that he loved. It was shown to Mephibosheth because of someone that David loved. Now we're at the point in David's story when he's just become the king. If you look at chapter 8, you'll find in verse 14, the Lord gave David victory wherever he went. David reigned over all Israel, doing what was just and right for all his people. This is God bringing David into the rule of the whole of the land. Now, 
later on, when you have a lot worse kings than that recorded in the Old Testament, you'll find that some of them, as soon as they became king, they did one straightaway thing. They got all the sons and daughters and relatives of the previous king and killed them because they didn't want any to be a threat to them. But here David is saying, not let's find out about who these people are to kill them, but let's find out if there are any of these people here that we can show kindness to. Now that's already a picture of God, isn't it? We think of God as being a sovereign ruler, having all authority in his world amongst all the people that he has made. And sadly, people who have authority and power in this world often exploit it for their own ends. But what does God do? God, in his kindness, is looking for ways in which he can help those, especially those that are in particular need. His heart of love is part of his sovereign rule. So let's look at this uh, covenant of love that David had, uh, which involved Mephibosheth. It's really because of his friendship with Jonathan. Now just turn back in your Bible a couple of pages to 1 Samuel, chapter 20. 1 chapter... 1 Samuel 20 is before David actually becomes the king and he's in discussion with Jonathan whom, with whom he has this special friendship and in 1 Samuel 20 and verse 14 this is what Jonathan says show me unfailing kindness like that of the Lord as long as I live so that I may not be killed and do not ever cut off your kindness from my family, not even when the Lord has cut off every one of David's enemies from the face of the earth. So this friendship that David had with Jonathan is in fact the reason why David is now saying, can I find one of Jonathan's family that I can show kindness because of them? The Hebrew word that I referred to earlier that's in our text kindness is a word that often is associated with God's covenant kindness the fact that he's entered into a covenant involving love and good desires towards uh, other people now is there a parallel then in God's kindness to us well what the Bible tells us is that before you and I were ever made, before we were ever born into this world, God the Father entered into a covenant with his Son, Jesus Christ. It's a mystery to us how there can be three persons in one God. But one aspect of this Trinity is that before the creation of the world, the Father and the Son and the Spirit had this relationship of covenant between them so that God the Father says all I have given to my Son will be mine and that covenant involves the people of God throughout every generation is it ours only because of Jesus Christ? yes one New Testament text to look up Ephesians and chapter 2 
Ephesians, as you know, has a wonderful exposition of God's saving purposes for his people. Let me read to you just a a few verses from Ephesians and chapter 2. Verse 6 we'll begin with. God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. His kindness to us is in Christ Jesus as David's kindness to Mephibosheth was in Jonathan and in the relationship he had with Jonathan. Now we haven't got time to go into this in a great detail but this is one of the Bible's ways of showing us the nature of what we mean by grace. The way in which God has looked at sinners and has said I will show kindness to them. We don't deserve anything from God. We know that we deserve his punishment. But it's no use looking to ourselves to say well there must be something in me that is lovable to God otherwise he wouldn't have loved me. The Bible says no. It isn't because of anything in us at all. It's because of Jesus. And if we're looking at ourselves for any merit in what we have done and will do it's in vain. God's kindness is not because of us but because of Jesus. By contrast if when we are Christians our conscience begins to accuse us and tell us that we failed and we can't be God's children anymore we look back to this kindness we look back to what God has said to us about the Lord Jesus Christ and he said he's done everything that is needed for our redemption for our forgiveness for our continuation for our entering into heaven this is all done in Christ and whatever we have failed and we do the nature of grace is ours because of Jesus. That's why Christians want to sing about Jesus. That's why we want to focus on Jesus. That's why we want to preach about Jesus. That's why we want to tell other people about Jesus. The nature of the grace of God's kindness is ours in Jesus Christ. But let's look again at this story because there's something more I want to show you here. God's kindness is shown in his call to us when we are helpless. We're told a bit about Mephibosheth's condition, aren't we? If you look at verse 4 of our chapter, chapter, David is asking when he hears about him, where is he? So Ziba answered, he's at the house of Machia, son of Emir Amiel in Lodibar. Well, you all know your geography, don't you? You know where Jerusalem is, you know where Lodabar is, and you all know the distance is 70 miles. 70 miles, not an easy journey in those days, especially if you're crippled in both feet. His condition is not good. He's a long way away. How did he become lame? That's an interesting story as well. Just go back a few pages in 2 Samuel chapter 4. 
And in verse 4, you'll find this story. Jonathan, son of Saul, had a son who was lame in both feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel, the news that they'd both been killed. His nurse picked him up and fled, but as she hurried to leave, he fell and became crippled. His name was Mephibosheth. Now that's interesting, isn't it? He was lame because somebody else fell. Doesn't that remind you of what the Bible tells us about us? Why are we such terrible sinners? Why do we hear these awful things? I've just been reading again a history of Germany and what it says about the Holocaust. Just to think about these things is is awesome. What about this uh, little girl who was buried the other day, six years old? and raped and murdered by apparently a teenager. How can these horrible things happen to good people? Well, it's because we are born in sin. And we are sinners because Adam fell. It wasn't a nurse who tripped and fell. It was Adam and Eve who not only tripped but fell badly and have brought the curse of sin upon the whole of the human race. It's all the fall of someone else which brings such sin into the world and into our hearts too. We sin because we are sinners born as a result of Adam's fall. No wonder we're disabled. No wonder we're helpless. But despite that, David calls for a response from Mephibosheth. Look at what we read here. He calls him to come to Jerusalem, and he comes. We don't know how he got there, but when he gets there, Mephibosheth can hardly believe that he's in the presence of the king. Verse 8 has a an interesting picture in it, doesn't it? He bowed down and said, What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Most of the dogs we see are pets. And very pretty and friendly they can be. But in these days, the only dogs around were scavengers. Though Those were the ones that were filthy in the street. Now there's only one thing worse than a filthy dog, and that's a dead dog. The dead dog is stinking now, hot weather such as you've never ever experienced yet, soon causes a dead dog to begin to be gruesomely awful. And so what does Mephibosheth say? I'm nothing. I'm worse than nothing. That's all I am. And yet, David is saying to him, I still want to call you to be with me and to be my child. This is not something that Mephibosheth deserved and all that God offers us in his kindness is not anything that we have ever deserved. What we do need to do is to believe 
that God means it when he says, come to me and I will do you good. Come to me despite who you are and what you are and what you might be and what might happen to you. I'm going to show you this kindness for Jesus' sake. Our sin has not been ignored. It has been dealt with on the cross and the power of sin has been dealt with by the Lord Jesus and the power of his spirit has been given to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. But we must respond and come to him. We must come to him personally. We must say to him, as Mephibosheth said, yes, that's my name, that's who I am, and I'm coming to you, and I believe what you say when you're going to show such kindness to me. Now this is the response which we bring Sunday by Sunday when we hear the name of Jesus preached. This is the response we call for from people who have been brought up in Christian homes and think themselves as being the the family of Christians but need to come personally to the Lord Jesus. This call to a response comes to us while we're utterly helpless but comes to us to believe in Jesus and to receive his kindness. Then there's one more thing that I want you to see. This kindness is shown in God's practical provision for our needs. I like this bit. Mephibosheth is given a great deal of property. He says to Ziba, Saul's servant, this is verse 9, I've given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. That must be a lot of land. He was the king. That must be a lot of property. How is Mephibosheth? He's going to look after this. He's a lame man. He's disabled. Well, you and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops so your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Now this little bit in brackets is fascinating, isn't it? Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Already, Mephibosheth has 36 people working from him from that day onwards. God is making provision for him, seeing his special needs, and says, I'm going to provide for all that you need. There's a lot in here. We can't go into the detail. The idea that he's going to eat at the king's table is like saying he's going to be adopted into his family. Because someone eating at the king's table is like, it says here, one of the king's sons. I've lost the copy of the book now, but some of you may know that there was a travelling preacher years ago by the name of Billy Bray and he wrote his life story and he called it the king's son but I can remember one story out of it because Billy Bray had a friend who said to him one day I think God is telling me to give you my suit but I'm not sure whether it will fit you no problem said Billy Bray my father knows my size if it's mine it will fit me To be one of the king's sons means that he knows especially our needs, even the things that fit our circumstances and our troubles from time to time. 
isn't it the testimony of Christians throughout the centuries we can read them in our biographies and our Christian newspapers how the people who are in prison and people who are suffering and people who have all kind of problems know the kindness of God in providing for them I also like the fact that this story shows us that the kindness includes the whole manner in which David does this for him you see there is a difference isn't there between people who do good because it's their duty to do it and we talk about bureaucracy today don't we and if it's a real voice on the telephone at all it's often a voice that's bored with having so many people to have to talk to but think about the way in which God shows kindness to us one last text from the New Testament from Matthew's Gospel this is what we're told about the way in which the Lord Jesus Christ shows his kindness Matthew 12 verse 18 here is my servant whom I have chosen the one I love in whom I delight I will put my spirit on him he will proclaim justice to the nations he will not quarrel or cry out no one will hear his voice in the streets a bruised reed he will not break a smouldering wick he will not snuff out Jesus shows kindness in the manner in which he relates to us what a difference that makes David had a heart for this man before he met him and showed concern for him and that's what God in his kindness does for us but don't forget God is still being kind when he pulls us up short and says there's something you've got to put right it's still being kind when we're rebuked and when you pass through difficulties because he's chastening us God's kindness is constant because his nature is constantly kind another thing which we can't go into detail about but if you don't want to read more about it read chapters 16 and 19 of 1 Samuel Mephibosheth's servants failed him but God did not Ziba and his family were in a situation later where it came to the crunch shall we look after ourselves or shall we look after Mephibosheth and they said we'll look after ourselves but David found out and David came back and David said to them Ziba and his family you're out and he made new arrangements for Mephibosheth so that he would have the constant provision that he needs it's sad isn't it that it's sometimes not God but God's servants that let us down sometimes there are times when the people we think we can trust are not worthy of that trust but it doesn't mean that God is ever going to forsake us or leave us he will never do that that's the nature of his kindness I've experienced what some of you have experienced that as we get older things begin to fall off and go wrong 
and we have to prove God in new ways. But the God who showed us kindness when we were fit and healthy and engaged in sport is still the God who shows kindness to us. And now my family and my Christian family have a privilege of serving me as I may have served them in the past because God's kindness is shown through his people in all that he does. There are many hurt and damaged souls around us today. There's plenty of unkindness in our world. That's why I want to leave you this evening to think about God's kindness. Psalm 107, verse 1 and 43 use this same Hebrew word translated elsewhere, kindness. His kindness endures forever. Ponder the kindness of the Lord, it says. If we want to share God's kindness in this hard world, there are just three things to leave with you tonight. We must notice that this kindness is different. It's not the kindness of people who have to do it, or the people who do it only to those they like and who deserve it. It's the kindness of a God who shows it to us whatever we do or don't deserve. Then secondly, we've got to feed on it. I like the word in Psalm 107, ponder it, think about it. You've heard the word many times before. Go through this story again. Think about what it means that God has been kind to us. Thank him for it. Praise him for it. Honor him for it. Worship him for it. If we experience God's kindness, then it's our privilege to show praise to him. And thirdly, imitate it. That's what David did. David said, I want to show God's kindness to somebody else. There is so much unkindness around that we won't have to look far to find people who need it. And our privilege, once we know the kindness of the Lord in Jesus Christ, is to imitate that and show it to others. For the nature of God's kindness is that he shows it to us for Jesus' sake, whether we deserve it or not. Amen.